Good Monday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live across every social platform known to mankind on a glorious Monday in June where I'm not perspiring or overwhelmed by humidity. I mean, for that reason alone, we should just <laughs> jump up and down and be happy we're alive here. Um, just a gorgeous day. Judah Woodcower, the director of the show, was presented by Keller Williams Alliance. I mean, I'm going to cut to the chase. I've had an opportunity to get to know quite a bit of the Keller Williams Alliance team, and, and these people are hardworking. They're honest. They will do whatever it takes for their clients. They're led by the benevolent dictator QB himself, Quentin Beckham. And Nikki Chambliss is a team leader of tremendous proportions as well. Let's welcome Nikki to the program. Fresh off a gig, fresh off... Fresh off being a great mom, fresh off being a great team leader. I mean, I can continue and follow you around if you like over here, Nikki. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to start every Monday with you, Jerry. It's great to see you. <laughs> you too. How was the weekend? Give us your, oh, your top three great. favorite aspects Ooh. of the weekend. Okay. Not only a gig, but a special gig. Okay. We did a, uh, anytime we're not our normal cake fight, we call ourselves Cupcake Debate. Okay. If we're doing something different. It's like uh, less people, is it? Usually it's less people. Okay. And this time we actually had our whole group, but not a full drum set. We had the thing he sits on, and it, I forget what that thing's called. It's a box. Okay. It amazing. It did well. But we also each, like I did some of my originals oh. with the band. We had four of them that we did, and... One of the other bandmates, he did two originals from a friend, and another bandmate did two originals. It's not usually what we do for our normal jam, so it was really exciting, and it was a, uh, it was it was fun, and it was challenging because we also didn't have a set list; we were just winging it. And to be able to just make that happen was pretty exciting. Sign of that a good might band. be my top three. I'm just saying. That, that's a great answer, right there. It sounds like a band that um, enjoys playing with each other and oh has good gosh. chemistry. Oh yes, yes, it's amazing. Yeah, my um, bandmates are great. Vanessa Parkhill giving you props in Earliesville. Nora Gaffney, what's up, Nora? We love when you watch the same the show. And same with you, Vanessa. Folks, if you got questions, put it in the feed. We'll start open edit to the friend of the program who literally is on the pulse of real estate through team leader at KWA. Give us the temperature of the market. What's going down? You know, like it's kind of what it's been. We're right now, and while it is starting to move a little because of the busyness and the graduations, and we're easing towards summer, uh-huh. the current day-to-day conversation is still very much steady on you know, inventory, right? It's not there. So how do we help find homes for our buyers? And, and sometimes it's a, you know, it's the waiting game, right? You wait for the right one and you're ready for that opportunity, whatever that right one may be. A lot of times that conversation is, is how do we work with our clients to help them see, is it a good decision for them to shift what their right one is? Maybe it's not. That's their decision to make. And as the trusted realtor professionals, it's part of our job to help them figure that out, to guide them. If they're not thinking to ask those questions, we need to help engage that. And it's always still their decision, right? Even if that means there's not going to be a house for them when they want it, it's their decision. We're not buying those houses. They are. Sure. So there's there's a lot of that kind of conversation, just really upping our game and our ability to communicate and educate and help guide people. That really is a huge, huge part of that job, right? If if you're like, oh, I like real estate because I like sharing houses, mm, you know, that's great. That's not a bad thing. And that's not really what it's about, right? right? So, and, you know, there is a part of that. I could do a class on showing houses. I mean, many of us can. Yeah. It's not that it's unimportant. It's just, you know, it's not really, no, I don't want to say being potatoes. I feel like it's very anti-vegan and I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> uh, you know, your core, it's, it's, you know, it's important and 
these conversations that we're having on a day-to-day basis, multiple times a day with multiple clients, they're really the key thing. Who's winning the deals? What are the characteristics of the deals that are won? You know, I think a lot of it, I think the people who tend to be, I don't know if positive is the right word, persistent and determined, but with a good attitude still. Okay. okay. And that's not, it's not always the case, right? If, if I were a realtor on the other side listening to myself, I'd be like thinking of exceptions. But for the most part, those people are the ones who are going to think of creative ways to help their buyer succeed. Okay. Right? Or they're going to be able to vet what it is they really want more thoroughly and better because they're determined and they're, they're on top of things and their view is, Hey, we can find a way to make this happen. Right. And it's really easy as a buyer and a realtor to be discouraged in this market. It really is. And being careful to manage that and have some really good, I don't know, life habits or priorities in place to manage your mental health. I mean, period, that's important. But especially if you are in real estate working in this environment. Yeah. In the, in the environment for the last three years. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. And you know, that's something we don't talk about. And props to you for bringing this up. How's the mental health of a lot of the agents you're seeing? We've I, never, I don't varies. think we've ever talked about that. We should. Yeah, I, it, it varies. It really does. Um, I think we all, I think it's very easy to say we all struggle, some form or fashion or another. If you're in real estate and if someone says they don't, they're probably managing it just fine and that's great. They probably have really great tools in place to help themselves and everyone's going to struggle a little bit. It just is life, right? But some are struggling more than others, and a lot of times it's people who do not have that foundation of a business or the confidence, because confidence is a really important part of that too, to really know and trust, yes, I'm in an industry that has ebb and flow, and I have my business structured in such a way that I know I'm going to be fine because I'm doing A, B, C, D, and when you do A, B, C, D, it equals overall consistency in business and success with what you're doing, right? So, and if you do the things, they work. Generally speaking, if you do the right things, they work. You got uh, questions already. Woody Winfield, hello on Twitter. Um, Let's go to Jonathan. Jerry, you brought this up last week. Same question for Nikki, please. Um, How is someone that needs to sell their current house going to be able to climb the ladder in this market? The home sale contingency just does not seem to be working. You've asked this question to a handful of the folks to come on the program. Please ask Nikki. We have a house. We're looking to climb, but everyone's telling us the contingency is not realistic. Okay, hold on. What do you mean climb? I'm sorry. I'm not. Probably a bigger house. I would imagine they would okay, have climbed that's, the house. Okay, that's what I, yeah. okay. And they have to sell their current one uh, to. Okay. So that, and that's what threw me because depending on like, it sounds like in his particular case, they're trying to upsize. That's yeah. not always the case. You know, I think part of that is you've really got to take a look at your, your financials. You've really got to take a look at what your priorities are, right? I don't know enough of your details to truly advise, right? And anybody who would try to advise based on that little detail be very cautious mm-hmm. with that, right? Take that with a grain of salt because there's not enough information there. Um, but also, I would say, what is it about needing to upsize, right? How important is that? Are you in a place where you're willing to keep your current home as an investment? And I'm sorry, realtors, I do want more homes on the market. They, they, Jonathan's got to right? sell Their family's got to sell it. Okay, so they've got to yeah, sell it. they got to sell, yeah. So I think the, the key there is is you really can... Um, some I actually them, know this guy. It depends He's also on where got a they're going, too. too. So you've also got to look at where they're going. 
I know realtors out there that are making it happen with home sale contingencies. They are. Is it easy? Absolutely not. You, you know is realtors it, are what? Are making it work with home sale contingencies. It, yes, it's challenging, and it depends on where you're trying to move. We'll make that either easier or harder, right? There's just so many details. There's so many variables to this question. But I'd say, okay, take a look at your details and see, is there a way to make that work with a home sale contingency? I realize that sounds crazy. And I'm going to tell you, people are closing deals with home sale contingencies. It does mean you need to position yourself well. It means you need to be with a trusted advisor who has really, really good rapport in the community. Um, and the reality is, is you want to be really honest and open with that person and straightforward and be willing to do whatever it is you need to do to make that happen. If you're trying to, I don't know, go below a, a list price for a home that is priced very, very well, that's probably not going to work, right? It, there are ways to make this happen. And it would be very, very challenging to do so with a home sale contingency. So then trying to find, is there any way to not have that contingency? Is there any way to make it happen so that you have some sort of a, a bridge to not have to sell before you have a next place lined up? Or maybe it's a, do you have a creative solution that you're willing to live with after you've sold your home? And, and again, it could be really challenging, right? And it might be expensive where you're having an in-between where maybe you're doing a very short-term rental. I don't know what that looks like, but there are all sorts of options and variables to work through to see what's going to work best for you and your family. Nikki, on fire right now, his follow-up is what percentage of deals are you seeing going through with that contingency? Ooh, I, the reality is I don't know right now. Um, I wish I had that for you, and I'm not even going to try to ballpark that. I would say it's going to be low. It really is. That's not going to be your common denominator right now in this market. Um, so like I, that's why I started saying this may sound crazy to say out loud, and I'm just going to acknowledge that right up. And they are happening. Some of that is going to happen more in areas that are not quite as hot. So it, a lot of that depends on where you want to be. Good answer right there. Um, I'll throw this to you. Do you, for the hot areas, what's the path to success if you're trying to get in there and you own a house? Just walk us through some pot potential scenarios you've seen. Oh, gosh. Um, you got the 60-day seller yeah. possession as an opportunity. You could potentially delay the closing to get you maybe another 60, although that's a tricky animal. Well, so part of it depends on what the... So, okay, you're wanting to sell. You're also wanting to buy. So mm -hmm. you're, you're both, right? You're trying to wear two hats right now. So with your buyer hat on, working with your realtor, you're going to want to see... Okay, well, first of all, you've got to narrow it down. Let's say we're in a hot area. Are there any homes listed in that hot area that are not in our local MLS? Because that happens, and that does often impact whether or not people notice that they're there. It, you know, most people are going to see things. Is there a picture where that first picture, when you're scrolling through whatever app you use, I'm just going to assume it's my KW app because, huh? you know, that's what it should be. Um, when you see that first shot, it makes you not want to click on a home. Maybe click on it and see if there's more. Bad photography on a listing agent or a seller's part is also another opportunity because a lot of people are just going to swipe right past and not be interested. So basically digging a little deeper into the things, people are going to miss that, especially they're feeling really busy and they're feeling stressed about it and you've got to move fast. So some of those things, maybe even an REO property, something that's foreclosed, there are foreclosures that are out there that are in a great condition, and that process is a much more challenging purchase process. 
And that could be another opportunity. And are there a ton of them out there? No, not at all. But they do exist. So there are a lot of these, I don't know, like not your normal lane kind of first choice places to look or where people might miss a thing. And really, I think that that bad photography one is, is one that I have helped, personally helped buyers with a whole lot, where it's a situation of, oh, you know what, that bad photography was way inaccurate. And it can go the other way, too. The good photography can overinflate what a home may or may not be. Um, and it, it's just been a really good opportunity to find that thing that other people are going to keep swiping. So uh, that's just one thing. And yeah. you asked for a few. No, that's a great. That I was like great. That, that was a great idea. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't. She's, she's, um, she's, she's basically saying find properties that may have been like forgotten or overlooked and truly. consider them. And they do exist. They and do I exist. Know it's easy to think, oh, that, that doesn't happen in this market. Absolutely. Yes, it does. It also depends on, you know, like if someone, if I'm buying and I'm good with DIY, that's an opportunity for me. Because a house may be on the market that it's not going to be priced well enough for an investor to want to come in and handle the things. And yet, it's financeable. And if I'm willing to put a little bit of elbow grease in to do some updates or painting or whatever the case may be, that's a whole different story as opposed to, like I had one client who they would much rather have bought, and they did, a much smaller home than most people would have for their size family because they wanted something that had been recently remodeled and they did not want to have to do a thing. They were like, you know what? It's not our jam. If something breaks, we're not even going to try to fix it because it's not our thing to troubleshoot that. We're not handy. We need a certain home. So if there's some give and take there, right? What you might be able to find if you're willing to DIY some stuff could be helpful. Or if, you know, if you own a construction company, you're in a different place than someone who is less handy or doesn't have those type of resources because right now getting someone in to do work is a little challenging sometimes. yeah absolutely absolutely so. keep the questions guys coming we love them we absolutely love them crystal berry giving <laughs> nikki props right now on facebook crystal thank you for watching the program candace cox watching the show do appraisers take into consideration when a comparable sold way over list for each cash with no appraisal if this info is not obtainable to the appraiser it should be that's a question from candace for you why would the appraiser not have access to it? That's uh, the question. Yeah, do appraisers so, take into consideration when a comparable sold way over list for cash with no appraisal? So basically she's saying there's a neighborhood, yeah. a house um, on a street in a neighborhood. Uh, it was a coveted house. Sounds like a bidding war. Bidding war, all cash, no appraisal, way above list price. She's asking, how will this impact the, the appraised values of other homes nearby as a comparable? Okay. Well, no, I, it will. And that appraiser's got certain data that they're taking into consideration. They're looking at those aspects. A good appraiser is, and I know we have Woody on the show quite often, and he talks about how he, things are weighed differently, and he does take these things into consideration. Um, and that's a really important thing to do. I know that you know, when... Um, Oh, gosh. When I'm dealing with an appraisal situation, if I am the listing agent, oftentimes I'm going to share redacted but enough information to be helpful for the appraiser that there were competing offers, that there were all of these aspects. Oh, you, you do? Know? That's and good. Yes, absolutely. And from the buyer's standpoint, I have also communicated with appraisers, the, representing the buyer, pardon me, I've communicated with appraisers, hey, you know what, this home is one that you might consider a comp. 
And let me share with you that what's online is not enough information. This was dated. This isn't shown. This was, it's not necessarily what things seem because when they're pulling information, sometimes there's information they don't have, or maybe a listing had pictures of everything. And after it closed, some of those pictures were removed. So this is all information that regardless of who you represent, when you're involved in that transaction, giving appropriate, helpful information and making sure you know what those things are is really key. Very good answer right there. Um, Valerie Barber, um, welcome to the program right now. She's watching on the group, the I Love Seville group. Candace says, she has a follow-up, mm-hmm. um, are, are the terms of the closed contracts available to the appraisers? Might be an appraiser mm-hmm. question right there, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, if they have... I, my is Candace in the game? Is. Candace is in yeah, the game, right? totally. Big KWA, time. KWA, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. In the game. Yeah. Um, producing agent who's been doing this for years. So I think that's just a matter of double checking with appraisers. But from my experience, they often have access to MLS, which means they're going to see that part. Um, and the reality is, is right now in the moment, I'm feeling a little wishy on saying that that's a blanket thing, because yeah. I don't know. No problem. Yeah. Respect yeah. that. Respect yeah. that answer. Um, Candace, keep the questions coming. Um, and we have more questions on the feed here. Here's an yeah. interesting one as well. This is somebody, oh, Patricia, uh, Patricia oh. Irby, who I saw yesterday at the board said, I loved your haircut, Patricia. I really enjoyed the shorter hair. It's perfect for summer. You look fantastic. She says, yes. Answering Candace's question mm. on another page. Yeah. Nice. Yes. So and she, I agree. And it's just, yeah, I was like, yes, that sounds solid to me. Yeah. Uh, Patricia, yeah. thank you very much for watching the program. Um, I'll, throw, I'll throw this to you. Um, are we seeing all cash over lists still at a vengeance in Central Virginia right now? I think it's still heavily out there. Yeah. It is still heavy out there. And we, while there is an ebb and flow and it is increased at a rate that is not normal, it's not unusual for our area to have cash purchases as a part of our normal standard life. And it is still a higher rate than than usual. Um, more coming in. Jerry asked Nikki the question about first-time homebuyers. This is my favorite question okay. I asked on the real estate show. Is it most difficult now for a first-time homebuyer to buy a house? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out the scenario. Yes. Oh, lay out the scenario. <laughs> Very little inventory. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, we're essentially, from a, a volume standpoint, in a bear market. And why we're in a bear market is because we've had an over 20% drop in inventory sold year over year. And anytime you have a 20% drop in anything, it's legitimately a bear market. Mm -hmm. So now, no inventory. Rates, last I checked, what? Sixes and change, depending on your credit score. Truly. Um, Some folks are flirting with seven, if not over Uh, seven. Yeah. The values since peak COVID have gone up double digits, in some cases 20 to 40%. So the first-time home buyer today versus the first-time home buyer during the peak of the pandemic, which time was more challenging to oh, purchase? Oh, between the two. Ooh, okay. Um, you know, I think that is where it depends. And I, you know, I say that a lot. And I promise I'm going to clarify that. So I think in the peak of COVID, I think it was harder during the peak. You think so? Wow. Only because... Right now, some of the options that, like the conversation I just shared about the bad photography, about REOs, about um, it being listed out of MLS, I think in the peak of COVID, well, first of all, REO didn't exist, right? And then the bad photography, I don't think mattered as much because that was before buyers started shifting to, you know what, I don't want to buy things as much if there's work needed. Or there was, I think, a higher level of 
oh, I hate to put it this way, but desperation that was really challenging to manage. And even from the realtor side, sometimes it was challenging because we were concerned about some of the decisions buyers were making. And we definitely shared that, but it was all, it's always their decision. So I think that people were willing to buy in a way at that peak that they are no longer willing to buy in, which makes it in that way easier for a first-time home buyer. And it is so much harder in other ways. Truly, that interest rate, it makes a big difference. It's very, it limits things, especially if you are on that lower end of ability to purchase or the price point that you need doesn't exist because we are now an area where price points that used to exist here just do not, unless you're a cash purchaser who's willing to rehab a a property, right? Um, More coming in fast and furious. Um, First, Candace says, thank you, Nikki. Concerned about buyers who don't mind overpaying, knocking out buyers who can't or don't want to overpay, but have thrown everything else besides the kitchen sink in their offer out to get the deal and lose out anyway. Well, so the challenge here and using terms like overpaying, it, we're talking about economics here. It's not if the buyer is willing to buy, then is that overpaying, right? So I think working on what we say and how we say around it is is pretty important because if, you know, half of the market is willing to pay in this certain range and the other half is like, "Oh, that's overpaying." and we've got low inventory, then is that really overpaying or is that what is our market in the I think moment, that's the right? market. That is the market. Yeah. That is what that is. And sometimes you do have those outliers where it's like, oh, that was the one person who was willing to go for that. And a lot of times that's either they really, really wanted a house, any house truly, or it was the one. And in this market, they were willing to do whatever it took to get that. So we do have the outliers still. And we also have to take into consideration that this is the market. Uh, Jason Howard, the King of Rio, we'll get to your comment in a matter of moments. First, we have to get to Brianna, who is watching in Crozet. She says, please explain REO. Real estate-owned property. Yeah. So that's going to be your foreclosures, basically. That's what we're talking about. You're talking the lender or the bank owning the property is yeah. what REO is. Yeah, um, bank-owned. So we, we, you're seeing some of those out there? Mm-hmm. They yeah. exist. Yeah. yeah. Her follow-up question is, how do we find out about REOs? So I would love to connect you with some really good realtors who work those areas. Yeah. And it is really, really key to work with realtors who know what they're doing in that. That Uh, is important. Not all the agents uh, like to dabble in that field. And the REOs generally are a little bit hairier because the timeline mm -hmm. of closing takes longer. Well, the process is different. Yeah. The entire process is completely different. Some of the protections that you have in a normal resale or a new home build are also different. Um, for, let me just, I'm going to use myself as an example because I feel like that's the safest way to go. Um, before everybody started doing home inspections first, I did a home inspection with permission of the agent and doing that that right way, which is also a key important thing, before I put an offer in. So that happened first, which now might not be abnormal, or now you might not have time depending on the property. There was a waiting period in which I had to wait for all of these offers to be reviewed, and there was not a certain definite end point. So part of that is now I'm being held up for making other offers because I was not ready to buy more than one house at a time. I'm now held up until the bank makes a decision. So that's another key part of that, right? There's the paperwork requirements are different. Whether or not the water or electric is turned in on the home and whose responsibility that is to turn on is different. There's just a lot of other factors. And this could be for a house that seems to be in wonderful, lovely condition and everything. And still whether or not those things are are on and expected to be your responsibility as a purchaser 
to turn on for inspection purposes, there's just a lot of details to that. And I do not know it as intimately as other agents that I would recommend, truly. And there are definitely plenty of people out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is it Brian Frankie? Oh, hi. Yes. He's yes. giving you some props nice. right now. Nice. Um, Nikki, Nikki's on fire. On today. <laughs> Hammer the, the like button and give Nikki some props on the show. She's on fire right now. Jason Howard on Rio Road. We have dubbed him the king <laughs> of Rio for Nikki. You talked about State Farm pulling out of California last week. Over the weekend, Allstate did the same. At the same time, Phoenix, Arizona is not allowing new construction due to a lack of water. Are long-term climate risk a part of the conversation when people are searching for a home today? So in our area, I'm not finding that to be a normal part of long-term conversation. There are people who that's going to pop up here and there. But is it part of our day-to-day in Central Virginia? Not yet. And that's not to say it should or shouldn't be. But what it is right now is that is not one of the go-to conversations. It's generally not going to be something that clients are going to bring up or that even realtors are going to bring up unless you're on some sort of specific special area where that may impact differently. Um, Environmentally speaking, usually that's going to be if you're near water that people get more concerned about impact with weather extremes increasing type situation right so that's that's kind of the only thing that comes up regularly but in our area not as much i do think that if we were possibly tidewater area more virginia beach that would probably be a higher level topic of conversation right with you've got the erosion and the storms that come through and while we get some of that it's not the same way yeah I like it. I like it. Um, this is a very good question. And this one's hard to answer. This is more of a back of the napkin. Okay. Um, David Letty says, how many, on average, deals are people losing on from your experience before they get the house they want? Tough to say. It, well, it, because it really depends. And yeah. it depends on so many things. Not every it, scenario is the same. They're, none of yeah. them are the same. Yeah. That's, the reality is, is no two scenarios, even if they seem very similar, right. none of them are the same. And a lot of times it depends on, there are, there are two sides, the buyer side, the realtor side, right? It depends on what the buyer's willing to do. Because if you have a buyer who has not yet adjusted their expectations and they're still making some offers along the way while learning what to expect, their, their offer's probably not going to get accepted. And you can't say with 100% certainty, but I can say with some of those at 99.9%, maybe 99.9999, right? That, okay, yeah, that's probably not going to get accepted. And we can advise clients all day, every day, and say it in whatever way is the best way possible for them. And at the end of the day, it is always the client's decision. And that is key, right? So that that's one variable. Another variable is the agent. What are their skills with negotiating? And that's not saying go throw your realtors under the bus. Please do not. I think if anything, they are usually doing more and better for you than what they are communicating with you because they're out there working it. Oh, 100%. And I think that often we forget to communicate, hey, we're doing these things on your behalf. And maybe we even think you know. I make that mistake all the time as a consultant. It's Folks so don't easy really, to, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 That's it's, totally true. It, it's easy to be like, oh, gosh, they're Because not it's doing our this. job to be like the swan above water where yes. we're not stressed. Yes, exactly. We're like the... 
metronome of consistency, emotional consistency for the client. That's what we're supposed to be. Truly. And, yeah. and unfortunately, oftentimes that makes it seem like we are not doing as much 100%. as we are. Yeah. So when I'm saying that it's important for them to be really great at negotiating and to do these things, please, please do not go throw your realtors under a bus. Most, many and most of them are not going to deserve that, right? So just be, don't, please don't be like an emotional reaction to that. Just think about what they're doing. Ask questions first. Always ask questions. That whole seeking first to understand. The first time I heard that was from Quentin Beckham, who is just amazing. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm going to give him credit for that. I thought he made that up. It's totally a KW thing. I love it. But everyone from here on should just be like, oh, that's totally Quentin's thing. Because it is. And he, he reminds people of that quite often because it's needed. We love you, Quinn Beckham. Yeah. So when your realtor is negotiating really well, when they have good rapport in the community, because that does matter, if they have done other transactions with agents really, really well, is it the deciding factor? Almost always no, unless there is not a good reputation, truly. And it's always the client's decision. But that realtor is going to advise their clients based on things like that. Right? They're going to look at the numbers. They're going to look at the terms. They're going to look at the close dates. They're going to look at who that realtor is. That is a factor. Jennifer Morris has a question for you. Why do we see so many open houses being canceled? Are these homes truly going under contract before the open house? And if so, how does that happen? So they... And Candace just threw up. Candace just gave you the fire and 100% emoji right there. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, That's a great question from Jennifer. Totally. So I'm going to say the, my assumption would be, because I have not looked at each and every one of these, but what I'm experiencing is, yes, they're going under contract for the open house. Before the open house. So are they going market Wednesday with open house planned for, for Saturday, Sunday or something? I mean, a lot of times it's going on the market Thursday, Friday. Okay. With an open house planned on Sunday. And then the demand is so great before the open house. Well, and oftentimes these are being listed with the plan being to review offers Sunday evening or Monday or whatever time frame that is decided upon. But usually it's a scheduled time after the open house. All offers to be, you know, reviewed. But also when we get offers in, those get presented to the clients usually. There are exceptions to that if the client has said not to. But one of our duties as a realtor is to present offers, all offers, to clients, right? So if an offer comes in early, even with that standard being set, and that offer expires the next day, and let's say it listed Thursday, it could have been listed Thursday at 8 p.m. and an offer came in at 8.05. That's highly unlikely. Let's just say 9. Um, and that offer got reviewed that next morning and that offer expired the next day. Generally speaking, that's not. In many cases, without more information, I would not advise moving forward with something like that. And again, it's always the client's decision. So if they decide to take that offer and move forward then everything forward is is usually canceled. The showings, the open house. And sometimes it's not quite happening. Most times it's not happening that fast and that extreme. I gave an extreme example um, because I'm not trying to seem like I'm speaking about a specific situation. And also, there are some creative ways to work around that, right? So maybe instead of having an open house on Sunday, maybe the open house is on Friday, Maybe it's on Saturday. I've done open houses on off days, including Saturday, Sunday, and random weekdays when the market had the need for that. That open house also gives more people that opportunity to get through at the same time to be able to see it. So if you're only having time slots for showings, you're going to be limited to, depending on, like if you've got 30-minute time slots and people have 
you know, the full day to view and everything is booked, you only have so much time for people to see. And with an open house, people are all able to be there and overlap, right? So you've got more opportunity for eyeballs to be on. Yeah, and, and walk me, I'm gonna play, yeah. for the sake of a talk show, this conversation. Here, yes. I understand why people may not wanna have an open house. You have strangers walking through your home. You, you may not be able to stay at your house while the open house yes. is happening. Probably you, won't, you should not be there. Let's cut to the chase. You should not be there. I get the stress you that comes not. with an open house. But does not the open house and maximizing that opportunity offer you the, oper- the chance to maximize full value? Like I, yes. I know your job is to assess what your client wants. And maybe not every client wants full max value for their house because they have extenuating circumstances. Maybe they need to stay in the house, seller possession 60 days after closing. Maybe they just don't want a lot of folks, you know, tramps in and traipsing through their home. Everyone's different. But Everyone is different. Full max value, the folks coming through the open house to see, isn't that how you get full retail value? It definitely helps. It definitely adds value. I think in any market type, there is a value add that an open house adds and that varies depending on the market. And in our current market, one of the value adds there is being able to have more people see the home, yeah. right? Because we're in that very limited time frame. Right. The other side of that coin is that because we're in a competitive market, that need may not be quite as important because you're still going to have multiple offers that are many of them really solid. Okay. So that that's the other side of that coin. And then all the other variables, right? While price is almost always an important factor for a seller, the process is stressful. It's stressful for everyone. It's not, yes, it's obviously stressful for buyers, realtors, um, I would say lenders, any of our partner people, this market is, is more stressful than many in the past have been, right? But what I think people forget is that for the sellers, it's also incredibly stressful. They're also having to make really large decisions in a snap moment that impact their future too, right? It might seem like, hey, they've got the, the great deal here. They're also in very challenging circumstances, especially when we, like we talked about earlier, I think it was with Jonathan, um, it's still very stressful being on that side. You've got the being in your home factor. People realize that people are going to be in their home, and yet it can be very, it, you've got day-to-day life that is oftentimes I don't know. Let's just say crazy. Yeah. For many, right? Whether it's kids or work or sports or life or personal pleasure, all of that gets totally derailed for most people when selling a home, right? Your ability to live in the home like you normally would because you need it to be staged all the time gets altered greatly. There's just so much to that. You've got to be on and able to figure out how to set up appointments. So truly the best way to do it is to plan a trip out of town. One of my, my last, I don't know, maybe it wasn't last. I don't know. It feels really recent and also so far away. I remember one of my favorite was when it worked out perfectly that they were already planning. So when I got to the point of advising sellers, Hey, this first weekend, this is what I would recommend you do. And I would recommend you accept offers, consider them Monday. We'll go over them together. We already booked the time and they went out of town and had a family vacay for the, for the weekend, like a long weekend. And it was perfect because they were, this was actually when everybody was still doing school, school at home, they were still mostly working from home. And how were they going to have their house shown in that situation? People did it and it worked, but it was so much less stressful for them than just peace out, you know, do what we need to do for the weekend. 
And if it didn't go under contract, because that was still a time when there was a possibility that it might not, they might not have received, and they totally did. It was amazing. It was great. Um, but they were able to leave town and not have all the stressors. I was able to manage the showings without needing to, you know, outside of normal time, you know, you don't want to be showing the house at 10 p.m. at night, right. you know, right? But there was not a schedule to work around or check-ins to do. We just booked it. So Patricia's got uh, some little nice. insight on REO. Yeah. Nikki's on absolute fire right now. Bank-owned or HUD floor closures buying process is way more complicated and the timing mm-hmm. of how and when offers are viewed are usually spelled out by the bank or HUD. It's important to have a realtor that is willing to do due diligence to know the process. Agreed. Also, home inspections can be difficult if the property has been winterized and if the utilities are turned off. With that said, it's doable if you're prepared and have a realtor that is prepared. And she also says bank-owned or foreclosures are often in the MLS, and she has done a few. There, some of those are often not in the MLS, and that's changed in the more recent past. Some of times they are. But if they have any limitations on showing, because of our, because of our clear co- cooperation, which we've talked about on the show before, if a home is listed on the MLS, it has to be available for showing. So some of the bank-owned properties, some of the foreclosures are not always available for showing right away or for normal use. Sometimes not at all. It just it varies, right? So those are not necessarily going to be in our MLS. Um, friend of the program, Jeff Gaffney had one on Carroll Creek. It was bank owned, and he mm-hmm. and it went under contract. And he clearly stipulated in the language on the MLS that this was bank owned, and all offers had to be approved by a banker. Yes. Is that yes. the language you're seeing, or should that oh, be the language? Okay. I mean, that's the process. I, that's that's the normal part of that process, and I think that. Putting that specifically was probably to help navigate the fact that not everybody understands and knows that. I think that's right? why I did that too. And that was that was smart. Yeah, it was smart. Having that clear information up front. Is that what you would advise to do? Hmm. You know, I'm not sure because it's not a world that I have lived in on that listing side. Okay. Um, I think that really having someone, if that's an area that you want to learn, find someone who is in it and succeeding in it well. And see if if there's a way to to get coaching and consulting. Maybe join that team. There are various ways to do that and do that well. But if that's really a place that you want to go and learn, do it and do it well. Do not do the minimal, the bare minimum, to where it looks like you know what you're doing and you don't. It, uh, it will make your life harder. The uh, <laughs> the fabulous Ken Wooten wa- watching in Pensacola, Hi, Florida. That's Nikki's dad. <laughs> Ken, we love when you watch the program and uh, give props to your daughter. You should be proud of your daughter because she's absolutely on fire right now um, with music, real estate, and on this talk show. Um, this for Boynesboro and Kevin Yancey. Okay. Foreclosures Kevin. must have power and a heat source or they become an as-is sale. Um, appreciate that comment right there from Kevin Yancey. Um, this question... How, what's the time frame on an REO generally? I hate to even throw that to Nikki nope. because every time frame is different. Yep. Um, it's not the same common for every single one. Yep. And that's, that's I try to part buy of in, living in that world is that they are all different. I try to buy, me personally, I try to buy, before the house we got now, I try to buy an, uh, an REO um, 
on Sandown Park Lane in Glenmore. And I was negotiating with the lender, and it was a pretty miserable process. I didn't even get yes. the impression that the lender even wanted to like actively move the house off their, their books. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, this house has got a long DOM. I'm giving you a very fair price here. You have limited traffic. The house is clearly deteriorating because no one's living in here, and you have maintenance issues. It's, it's being neglected. And there was really not even um, a sense of urgency from no. this guy to sell. Nope, not at all. And that yeah. is not and uncommon. And then that's why I switched my attention yep. to something else. That is not uncommon. There, it is oftentimes not urgent for them at all. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, but it's an option. It is an option. I appreciate you highlighting that because in this market, any option is important, right? Well, and, and sometimes it can be a really great opportunity. The one that I purchased, it had a new roof on it. It had a new HVAC system. It, there, there were some really great things about it. There were some other things that were not great. Like, there was an animal smell. So part of the flooring for half of the house needed to be replaced because it was carpet. And some deeper cleaning happened as part of that process because nobody wants a home that smells like animal. That's horrible. <laughs> and it wasn't as bad as many I've been in. Don't get oh, me yeah. wrong. Oh, we've all been those. But it was bad enough to give me pause, you know, because you've got to think about that. What are you willing to deal with? So, you know, new roof, new age bag, that's some pretty big wins right there. What's the... What's the uh... What's today's timeline for putting a house on the market? Coming from coming soon to active to open house. What's the timeline? So, okay. and your dad said he's very proud of you. Oh yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> he tells me that too, not just when he's public. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> he sounds like he's a very good guy. He is. Yeah. <laughs> so, he loves watching you on the show. Let me preface that with. Before you get there, understand that the sooner you're in touch and working with a realtor, the better, because there are steps that need to happen beforehand to prep for all of these things, like great professional photography, like really having some good consultation with your realtor about what it is you want, what that looks like, and how that process works, what type of communication is going to happen, what you need from this, because like that, everything being very personalized... Some sellers want more updates and more information. And for some sellers, that's too much. It really is a personalized situation. There's going to be our baseline recommendation of this is how we operate. And if you want to veer too far, veer too far from that, a realtor may need to decide if they want to work with you or not, right? And most of the time, the veering from the standard is a reasonable Difference. We expect that. Not everybody's the same, and that's really, really important. So let's say all this back-end work has been done. Your house has been cleaned. You're tidied up. You're prepped for listing. That coming soon aspect. We had this conversation, I want to say maybe a couple of months ago, in our MLS, in the car, in the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors, you have a much longer time frame that you are allowed to have it as coming soon than what I would ever recommend Two weeks, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and that is not an the eternity. case for all areas. Yes. And it ends up being stressful for everyone, stressful on the seller, stressful for the market. That That is not. Having some coming soon, you can definitely do, and you don't have to. But if you wanted to have a couple of days to be able to have that out into the world, to promote it that, hey, this is coming soon, because when it's coming soon, you can schedule showings for once it is live and active. You can't schedule to see it before then, but it gives you a little bit of an opportunity to get that scheduling out there, have people know the home is about to hit, that type of thing, right? So let's just say maybe a couple of days. Then it goes live, and then really in our market for many homes, and not all, 
truly. But if you're in an area that's hot, having that weekend and having that Monday be the, the offer review, that's not uncommon. That's incredibly common right now, right? So, and, and as one of the people asking the questions, sometimes it never makes it to that Monday. Sometimes it just doesn't get there. And I think sometimes the, the situation with the open house not happening, this is the, the sellers, they're under a lot of pressure. And sometimes maybe they're just getting that perfect offer really, really early on that does have that pushed deadline. That can also all be negotiated. Everything is negotiable. That's so, answer. yeah. Um, interest rates, multiple people asking. Want to go down that they road? Exist. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're higher there. than they've been in years. I know. Um, it it can definitely be challenging. It can be a really stressful part of this as well, right? And I think that the more we talk about these things, the more educated you are, the more we take a different view on some of these numbers than we have over the last few years. The easier this will be. The more that it will become. Okay, this is really this is our normal. This is what this looks like. And my hope, too, would be that at least for this population of people who are in adulthood already and experiencing this, I think we'll be better prepared if ever there's a future where it increased, right? Because we've experienced that. Until now, only so much of our population has ever lived in this high of a rate. Now we're all better prepared for anything in the future that happens because we've lived through it, right? Challenging times create more resilient society people, all the things, right? So we're definitely experiencing that. And we had had a lack of that for a long time. I think one of the big things that I like to recommend, and I know this is not an easy thing, so please do not misunderstand that. If you can get yourself in a situation where you can get a mortgage that your payment is less than what you actually are willing to pay so that you can pay more, so that you're paying off your home faster, that is the best way to counter that interest rate. Because essentially you're lowering your interest rate. You're lowering the amount that you will pay an interest over the time of that 30-year mortgage. That is really one of the best things that you can do to factor in what about the rates. Another part of the rate conversation is work your credit score. It's going to help you in so much more in life, but being that a home is normally people's largest purchase ever, and if you're getting a mortgage for any amount of time, that's a huge amount of interest to pay over the years, and it is. Like If you've not ever looked at that, it's it's horrifying. Yeah, especially in the, especially in the beginning, especially yeah, yes. the first few years. The first time you look at that, like just make sure you're seated, be prepared. It's a lot of money. So if you can do anything to minimize that, right, especially with our higher than what we're used to interest rates, that's your best bet. And that may be worth getting a home that is a stepping stone and not your forever home which I highly recommend. I think it's a really great thing to do. It puts you in a much safer financial situation as well because we never know what life is going to throw our way. If you can do the stepping stone home, it gives you more wiggle room to be able to pay more on that faster, puts you in a much better situation to either upgrade, you know, supersize your next thing or stepping stone your next property. And then it also puts you in a much more protected place with your finances for if life happens. Right? And we don't ever want it to you. And if you're prepared for if life happens and it never happens, cool. You're solid and you're in the best place ever. And if it does happen, then hopefully that wiggle room, that preparation will put you in a place where you can ride that storm without it 
doing too much damage or destruction or none at all, potentially, right? Depends on what storm is coming through. Uh, Cully Baggett, the uh, developer and home builder, says that was an excellent response on the rates question. Paying towards the principal is ultimately lowering your rate. Great job on that. He also has another comment, and Cully's in the game here. Cully, I really appreciate when you watch the program. Uh, Cully Baggett says, the problem, I believe, and this is on REOs, uh, real estate owned properties. Okay. This is when the lender of the bank owns the owns the house, oftentimes, and she's, she purchased an REO, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes with the REO, the properties, because they don't have people living in them, they start to deteriorate fairly quickly, so you have to keep an eye on that. He says this, uh, Kali does, the problem, I believe, is that it looks a lot uh, like uh, physical work to get things whipped back into shape on top of securing these loans for a buyer, which can be difficult. The banks know this, and they know generally that it's going to be a harder sale, and so therefore their attention is shifted elsewhere. They're not as focused on it. That That's helpful perspective, and also a really, really good point of the sitting with no one in it being a challenge for a deterioration. And actually, I experienced it was not an extreme version of this, but this is not an uncommon. Usually that water is turned off, and oftentimes when that water is turned on, things have sat, and sometimes you're going to have leaks appear that would, did not exist before. So that is one of the things that I like. I ran into in the um, the primary bedroom had a has a full bath attached for the house that I purchased, and when that water was turned back on, and it was not a big leak, and it possibly from there were no signs of it having existed prior, but what it looked like happened was that when that water was turned back on, that pressure coming in and whatever possibly some rot with the this plumbing. Sure. There was a small leak, and thankfully it was only small, and it was caught early on, and it was fixed, right? Easy peasy. They're not always that small, and it depends. So you really do want to go in eyes wide open with that situation. So that is true. I do feel like maybe because I'm very happy with my experience, and there there can definitely be challenges and downsides to that. I like it. She's on fire right now. Um, Comments. Put them in the feed. We'll relay them live on air. Do you expect this market, today's market, to run into next year? I mean, we're now halfway, what are we, halfway through 2023? Truly, we are. I mean, yes, it's, as far it's, as the market goes, because yeah. anything that's going to happen, there might be a couple of things that still pop up that yeah. super fast closes, right? But most of what's going to happen this month is already in motion and was put into motion last month. Right, so we're so halfway we're through. Halfway the year. through. Yeah. I really think it's, right now, I have no reason to think it's not going to stay in this. Um, odd, low inventory, yet we've got some seasonality back, right? Because in the peak of of COVID life, there was no seasonality. It just was nonstop. We do have some of that seasonality that is back. I think that's going to continue. Okay. Um, So summertime, hopefully we'll have a little bit of a lull. And I say hopefully because honestly, I think everybody needs that. I think the seasonality has some benefit to it as well. Wintertime, it's probably going to slow a little bit. It did last winter. It's going to now. We're still going to enter next year with spring starting way before spring hits. We've been living there for a while now, though. I know that it has gotten more extreme over the last few years, but the reality is, is even when I started in 2016, 2017, essentially, it had already started moving from spring actually being spring into spring being a little earlier. And I think that was probably when it first started, and it's only been increasing well before COVID life where that kept getting earlier and earlier. 
So I think we're going to continue seeing that. And I don't know when that's going to change. I think a lot of it has to do with where, not that rates are the only impact, but when rates shift, it gives people pause. There are conversations, right? We've got a lot going on. The banks are still an ongoing conversation. Our larger economy, something could happen in the world that's unexpected because, you know, that's kind of how the world works that could impact things. And we just take those as they come, right? There's nothing that I'm nervous about currently, I think my biggest thing still is is that when we're in this kind of rough market, making sure that our professionals that work around real estate really have their A game. Build that. It seems like it's the A players like yourself and like Patricia and like Candace that are the ones that are like making it work and pushing through. I mean, you got to be on your game more than ever right now. Truly, you do. And a lot of that, sometimes, especially when it's more hectic, I guess. Sometimes it's harder to keep some of your pieces in motion that you need to, but remembering and having a way to track your priorities, having a system for that so that you keep track of those fundamentals, the basics, the systems that help you be able to grow and scale and manage all of the things, because there are a lot of things that are being managed when you're a realtor working with a full work-time career workload. And that's a really key important thing, that even when it gets extra stressful or there are odd challenges that pop up, that those stay steady. Um, Cully, I completely agree. A home is like a vehicle. The worst thing you can do is let it sit or be unoccupied. Same thing for uh, websites, guys. Our, one of our businesses, VMV Brands, mm. um, designs and develops websites for clients. We'll often do it for clients. They do nothing from a security or back-end standpoint. Come to us two years later and say, hey, what's going on with the website? Well, sir, you haven't logged into the website in two years. What did you think oh, no. was going to happen to the yeah. back end? Um, yeah. All right, so I'll throw this to you. Um, do we think this market is the market for an extended period? Scott called it debt mm. inventory. Those of us who secure it's... like that 2 to 3% rate, um, you know, maybe you're sitting on some equity, but where do you go? He said that's debt inventory that he doesn't see moving anytime soon. I do think that is, I think that is part of why we're living in the low inventory world that we are right now, right? So we're already living that world. So that's not new. I think that will continue for now. And people will learn and work around that and find ways. And some people will not, and they will stay. So we'll have some people staying in homes longer than what they had wanted to and what we would have expected. Used to be, what, seven years? Now getting closer to 10. Yeah, I think that's, that's like we last looked that up. But then part of our area, and I think the reason we're not feeling... I know this feels weird to say because we're feeling the low inventory, right? But we're not feeling it as much as some areas. And that's because we do have a transitory nature of our community that is quite large between UVA and the, hosp- the school and the hospital because those are two different aspects of transitory people in and out. NGIC, our contracting companies, some of our tech companies, a lot of these companies live in worlds that either require or oftentimes people benefit from moving quite often. That's what I think is a huge part of the reason why we're not feeling it quite as much. We're also a very desirable area for people to move to. All the reasons we like living here. Yeah, exactly. So people are still trying to move here. And so we do have still new builds happening quite regularly. So that's, that's not, you know what, I don't know if it's not slowed. It is continuing forward with an expected acceptable forward motion, right? It's not going to solve our inventory shortage. They're not able to do that. That's been too many years in the making. But it's not stopped. It's not slowed to an extreme where it's a challenge. 
right, where it's going to feed it further into low inventory. So we still have new homes being built. People are still buying them. There's a, a high desire for that still. And it's challenging because of the time frame, right? So there are all those factors. But I think that transitory nature really plays key into us having the market still going that we have. And I think we're going to continue to fill that whole, hey, you know what? I'm not ready to move yet. I don't want to keep my home as rental or I have to sell to purchase the next or maybe I want to move somewhere else because I have family on the West Coast and I need to figure that out, right? All sure. of these things. Yeah, yeah. How's your, uh, how's your team? How's the people at KWA here? Well, I think they're fantastic. Um, <laughs> but besides that, um, I, I think they're doing really, really well. I, it, it has overall, like I'm seeing that this has been more stressful because we talk about that business side and we talk about the market as part of our regular conversation, we've been preparing for this for at least a year now, if not more, for this market. So they've been preparing, which even being prepared, knowing that it's happening, especially for those who have never lived through it, still adds a stress, right? It's hard to not feel that some, no matter how much you're working on your habits and your mental health, it's hard to not have that be felt, at least some. Well, especially after that like wild ride that was COVID, where like yes. what is Yona? Yona says uh, even turkeys could fly into the wind. Um, like we, like, <laughs> like people that. were doing deals and making money, mm-hmm. so confidence yeah. was at an all time high. Some folks literally jumped into the game at that time because they saw people stacking paper and they were like, "Man, this might be the norm." And we were like, "Nah, no. this ain't the norm." <laughs> no, no, it is not, and I get it. And that doesn't mean that they can't still survive and move forward. And they're going to have to make sure that they up their A game. And I feel like a lot of people have. The people that I've been around who got in during that time, they've done an amazing job at shifting and learning and growing. For sure. The challenging market, like, yeah. and this is a challenging market, but a challenging market creates a sense of um, accountability. Yes. And a challenging market creates a sense of, you better be on your A++ mm-hmm. because if you're not, someone else is going to be on their A++ and take yeah. it from you. Yes. That's what you're saying. And I'm not mad about that part. No, it's great. Truly. I think it's yeah. wonderful. I'm right. here for more accountability. I, I think we are really fortunate to live in an area where our, our broader realtor community is pretty solid and pretty positive. Truly, I don't know that I would have gotten into real estate in another area because I've seen other areas. I've lived in other places of the country. Some are, they're, they've all been incredibly different, right? Um, and the reality is, is when I think of the places I've lived, this was the right place for me and the right time because we do have such a community around our realtor group that uh, Charlottesville Association of Realtors is an amazing group. Um, So we're really fortunate in that. And even with that, we can all be held accountable at a higher level and up our game, and that would benefit us all, no matter where we are, right? So it's when we're all, when the community of realtors is better, that helps everyone. You, uh, it's easy to do a show with you. Yay, thanks. I love this. I mean, you know, it's kind of my jam. I kind of like this. I can talk about real estate all day. Hour and change (laughs) in the program. Literally, I looked at the time for the first time. All right, let's throw this to you here. Um, Anywhere you want to go. What's in the notebook? Hmm. What's been on the the brain? Um, Stuff you've been thinking about? I love to tap the resource that, that is your experience. One of the best things that Nikki has going for her, besides hard work, vision, risk-taking, she, she is on the front lines with a lot of people in KWA as a team leader. So she's hearing the good, the bad, and ugly from a lot of different businesses, which are, if you're a real estate agent, you own a business, a lot of different yes. teams. So I like asking you that question because you're a source of a lot of folks' information. 
Okay, so this may seem off topic or incongruent in some ways, but it's you'll see it's completely related. Okay. The thing that's really been on my mind lately, and this applies to everybody, is the the personal finances side of it. Oh. Where are you in your financial situation? Where do you need to be to be able to live the life that you want to live? And what are the steps you're taking toward getting there, right? What do you need to know? What education do you need? What tools do you need? Because they exist out there, right? What position are you in? Whether it's you are in debt up to your ears and you can't see a way out, or maybe you can see a way out, and hopefully that's the case, or whether you've been living a really solid financial life and you have various investments, where are you in evaluating where you are today and where you want to go? How often do you check in on those things, right? Because I think oftentimes we think we're good and we just set it and forget it, which in many, many cases is the way to do it, right? Especially when we're talking about investing. But where are you? Do you check in on it? Are you adjusting as your thoughts about it, not necessarily hands-on adjusting as the economies change, right? Because knee-jerk reactions and finances tend to also be bad unless you have money to play with. That's a whole different conversation. But if I'm talking about like from my own personal standpoint, I know that over the last two years, I did some set it and forget it that needs reevaluating, not with investments, but just with life things of, hey, what were my goals? Where are they? This is what I had for savings plan before. And I need to shift that because you know what? That might not be enough, or maybe it's too much in one area and some of that could go toward investing. There are all of these things that we, some of us don't, but oftentimes we do regular health checkups, right? We wouldn't advise someone else to not check their finances if they were asking us advice, but do we actually take time to sit down and do our health checkup for our finances? And part of that is with your home. Are you treating that as an investment? What's your checkup for that? Have you reached, has your realtor reached out and offered, hey, you know what, I just want to have a conversation about, you know, your investment that you owned that I helped you purchase or helped whatever the case is with that. You get into as a rental even. Where are you? Are you ready to buy now? There are all of these things that we get caught up in life, and I think we forget how important that is. Jennifer um, Morris, great show. She did a great job today. Awesome. Thank you, did you Jennifer. You did a great job. Yeah. Um, Closing thoughts. Do you use any kind of finance app? Um, so not not right now. Okay. Because um, they got a, a lot of them out there. There are a lot yeah. of them out there. And the reality, so my go-to currently for finance life is, is QuickBooks Online. Okay. That's what for I personal? used. Um, well, I used it for both previously. Okay. She was a book, I, bookkeeper, right? Yes. Yeah. So I used to be a QuickBooks Pro Advisor. And in my time there, I used both QuickBooks and Xero, X-E-R-O, um, QuickBooks tends to be a little more intuitive toward the consumer, but also be careful because that's kind of a trap because you think it's intuitive and there's still accounting to it. So have someone who knows what they're doing get you set up at least. If not regular, definitely regular check-ins, but if not monthly managing some of it, okay, it's not as intuitive in some ways because accounting is not intuitive for most people that aren't accountants. Yeah, And then zero was more accountant savvy leaning okay. was my take at the time and it's been years since I've been in both of them comparing okay but that still is my on the top of my brain go-to okay because it was such a solid and they seem to stay really great at staying on top of where things were moving and giving the most access to resources and growth huh I thought they were really forward thinking good advice um yeah so that was that's my mental go-to okay 
um, and I am not using it to its fullest ability at the moment, which is part of why all these things are top of mind, because they also apply to me. Like, when I'm, when I'm thinking about these things and I realize, oh, you know what, I need to up my game. I've just kind of let that go, and I need to be more hands-on, at least quarterly with some of my personal stuff, right? Uh, you know, and it's really easy just to be like, oh, no, that's fine. Oh, my gosh, a half a year's already gone? What happened? No. I was going to do this in January, and that's still on my to-do list, right? So, but then I have conversations, whether it's with realtors or with friends, and I'm finding a lot of us have that need. Yeah. So, yeah. Nikki, you crushed it. Thank you. I love this. I love being on your show. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. it, it we're missing Keith Smith, and I just appreciate him for the opportunity to be here. You so, crushed it. Yeah. Thanks. Nikki is the team leader at KWA. She's awesome. Um, reach out to her, and she will help you out or introduce you to someone that will at yep. KWA. Yep. Nikki on point today. Judah Wickhauer is always 1125 on a Monday. The I Love Seville show just right around the corner. And if you uh, are looking for a brand you can count on, Keller Williams Alliance, guys. Yes. I've had an opportunity to get to know just about everybody on that team. And they're like Nikki. They're honest. What you see is what you get. And they will go to the wall for you during this process. KWA. Judah, thank you. My name is Jerry Miller for Nikki Chambliss. This is Real Talk with Keith Smith, presented by Keller Williams Alliance. So long, guys. That was awesome. Thank you so much. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, when we have amazing engaged people... That makes it so much easier. I, I mean, that's, I love it. we could have made up stuff to talk about, but we didn't need to.